Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. It's mid-March of 1945. The Silver King has returned from an extraordinary stay on the French Riviera, where he's lived for a brief time, a week, in a luxurious setting of days near the surf and nights in the clubs. And of course, our hero is experiencing a natural part of his return, which is that life at A-72 is a big letdown from Khan. Stanley's mid-month missives, of course, will reflect on his time on the French Riviera and also help him adjust to a return to life as a B-26 bombardier in the European theater of operations. He's getting news from home again, and that's good for him. It's helping him feel better and improving his morale. At the same time, he's just learned that his brother-in-law, Lee Bernstein, has been classified 1A. And so now, late in the war, it's possible that Lee may have to enter the service. The news about Lee Bernstein causes the king, of course, to think immediately about his sister, Leona, and their young children, Richie and Margie, and what Lee's departure will mean for Leona's life and how she will care for the children in his absence. The king, of course, can also reflect on the comfort he will feel in knowing that his parents, particularly his mother, will rise to the occasion when necessary and travel to Chicago to stay with the family and support Leona. Stanley writes to his family on March 15, 1945. Dearest ones, all good things come in bunches, as is evident from the five letters I received tonight. These are the first all week, so are readily appreciated. The oldest is dated Feb 10, and the latest is March 4, and each one is sweeter than the one before. I also have two letters from Leona and one from Lena. Consequently, this has been a wonderful night for me. Receiving so much news really takes me back there. It seems each day I forget more and more what it was like in the States. So continue keeping me informed, and I won't forget completely. As the Silver King continues to rebound from Khan, he's happy to hear the news from home. And of course, he is a very faithful correspondent, and loves letters from 
Leona and Aunt Lena. And even I remember lovely Lena. She had a broad smile and big hair. She was small and sweet and gave the best hugs of any aunt. And the king is returning to writing form with a bit of an edge to his mother, which he needs to do occasionally, as you may recall. As he writes, I'm glad you're receiving my letters and have my check for Jane. I'm sorry you didn't get to buy her something. Perhaps you will later. It surprises me that you regret not knowing my feelings earlier. Would you have consented to our marriage? Returning to the happiness theme of this letter, the king writes, From Leona's description, Margie must be a little doll. Since she looks like Lee, she must be a beautiful baby with those blue eyes, but no hair? I do hope she will send some photos soon of all of them. Aunt Lena says she plans to go up there during the spring, and Leona expects you there also. It would be swell if you could go up together and would break that loneliness at home. That is, if both of you go. Then maybe I could get pictures of all of you. I've flown three missions since my last letter, so I've been pretty busy. Thank God the news continues to look good. My guess is that by May we will see the end of this mess. That's only my opinion, though everything seems to be in my favor. Anyhow, it helps to think and believe along these lines, even though some people say it isn't good to be too optimistic. I would surely like to spend the summer at home. That would be heaven. The weather is nice now, though not as nice as it was at the Riviera. But you couldn't compare the two places. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well and not too lonesome. Love to Ida, and I have 18. I love you and miss you, Stan. As we know from following the Silver King's writing, he was accurate about when the European Theater of Operations War would end. Yes, it was May. But unfortunately for him, of course, he didn't make it home for the summer. It took months before the Air Corps could unwind and unravel the mess that they created after the war ended in Europe and how they were trying to get their guys home. Stanley had an extraordinarily busy march, and it was good for him to be distracted after what he had enjoyed at the Riviera. He was flying a lot of missions and had growing responsibilities as he wrote to his family on March 20th, 1945. Dearest ones, I haven't written for a couple of days, so you must forgive me. It was because I was too tired to even hold a pen. Since my last letter, I've flown two missions besides pulling group duty again. I've been walking around half asleep almost. However, the five letters received from you tonight have made me wide awake now. 
It's swell receiving so much news at once. Thanks again for writing so faithfully. Four of them are very recent, the latest dated March 7. The fifth one must have gotten lost somewhere en route. You wrote it from Chicago on December 7. It's welcome, though, regardless. I also have the two sets of bars. Thanks loads for sending them as I requested. As you recall, the Silver King had been waiting on his first lieutenant bars for weeks. He had to borrow some before he could travel and be the ranking officer that he became. But finally, the bars from home arrived, and he was grateful. And the reality of those bars and what they mean were reflected in his continued writing as he describes a friend. He writes, You remember Mike, whom you met at Carlsbad and liked so much. He's stationed over here somewhere, but as yet I haven't seen him. One of the fellows from here, however, ran into him in England just recently at the Flack House. He's well, I'm glad to say, but from the reports, he's considerably nervous. He always was a little nervous and excitable, but is even more so now. I can well understand and only hope that the rest in England will help him. The weather continues to be nice, although the nights are a little chilly. Gee, I know it must be beautiful there. I hope you were able to hire a man to take care of the lawn and flowers. How does the house look now? Have you had anything painted or made any additions? And do you still leave the door open in my room? How I wish I could be there, needless to say. No, I've never received Ida's letter. Tell her to write another one and give her my love. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley's compassionate writing about his friend Mike from Carlsbad reflect what the king had learned during his war, that for every man the war was personal. Some men were able to live and, in some cases, actually enjoy all of it. Others didn't survive. And the men in between, who broke along the way, were often found at the flack houses throughout England, hoping to recover, return home, and find something of their lives again. The war was never easy for anyone, and that became so clear in the king's writing. Stanley wrote three letters over the last ten days of March in 1945. Yes, he was busy, and he had plenty of news, and he wanted to share it as best he could in being the faithful family correspondent. On March 21st, the king wrote, Dearest ones, 
Mail call wasn't as good tonight as it was last night, although I did receive one letter from you. See, that's how spoiled I've become compared to the others. This is a fairly old one being dated February 2-6. Even so, it's as welcome as though it were written today. Somehow, I don't have that empty feeling at night when I have mail from you. In other words, I love you tremendously for being so sweet. The king continues to report good news regarding their private stash of food as he says, We are well stocked with food, but can always use more. Our mainstay is eggs. The French come around all day trading us eggs for soap. We get six for a bar of soap, which is a good swap, and with all the soap we have, we can afford eggs for the next six months. Speaking of oak leaf clusters, I have my third one now. That makes two more since I wrote about my first one, and that's the equivalent to four air medals. Yes, you're right about having interesting stories to tell. Sometimes I wish I had the ability to write a book, and at other times I'm glad I haven't. There are some things I would like to remember, but there are more things I would like to forget. My job is trivial compared to what some are sacrificing, although I'm doing all in my power to make it helpful. This afternoon, I was busy trying to show the ropes to a new man. At the rate the old men are going home and the replacements are coming in, I'm practically a veteran in the outfit. I seem to be at a loss for news tonight. I'll try to do better next time. Keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Yes, the Silver King is now a veteran in his outfit. And of course, he could have written a book about his war had he chosen to continue along the lines of being a writer. As you know from being a faithful follower of our hero, he wrote beautifully. And I have no doubt as his son and the man whose work to tell the king's story, that he would have been a wonderful professional writer. I've been thinking more these days about the king's post-war life as I read Joseph Heller's Closing Time, the novel that he wrote as a sequel to Catch-22, where he followed the lives of his personal heroes from the war and what became of them as they returned home to be men of their respective worlds. Stanley wrote on March 28th, 1945, to his family, Dearest ones, I guess it has been almost a week since writing you last, and I'm terribly angry with myself for neglecting you so. This has been the first time I have gone for so long without writing, and I assure you, the last. In fact, it would not have been allowed this time except for circumstances beyond my control. 
Since my last letter, I've flown four or five missions. I can't even remember which. Anyhow, I was completely exhausted from them. Could hardly hold my head up, much less write a coherent letter. I suppose you're well acquainted with all the good news of late. This naturally ties up with us. When they are busy on the ground, we are busy in the air. It's difficult to express my feelings concerning the war now. Everything sounds so good. The battle line is moving faster than I can keep up with. From all appearances, I can't see how it can last another 30 days. Consequently, my morale hasn't been as high before. Your letters have been arriving fairly often, the latest being dated March 16. You certainly had a grand birthday. I'm only sorry I wasn't able to contribute to it. Well, that's about it for now. I do hope you're well and not too lonesome. I've got 29. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley's 10th March letter, which was dated the 31st, reflects both how busy he was and how many missions he had flown. Because he began the month with 14 and a half, and he finished with 29. 13 missions in 31 days, and he flew twice on March 13th and 25th. March was the busiest month of the King's War. And he wrote to his family on the 31st, dearest ones, you asked why the fellows with whom I was at Columbia are going and have gone home already. You must remember that they left for overseas from Columbia while I went to Barksdale to train all over again. Naturally, they were over here many months before I. Their tour of duty is considered at 70 missions, while mine is 65 missions. However, when you get that many, five more doesn't amount to much. Since my last letter, I have flown another mission, which leaves me only 29 to go. Receiving one and a quarter missions for every lead I fly certainly has boosted my total. Even so, I doubt very seriously if I will be able to finish before the war ends. As you must know, the news is most encouraging. Morale and optimism is the highest I've seen yet. It has everyone guessing at the day it will finally end. Just for the records, my personal guess is that the glorious day will come in exactly 19 days, I hope. Yes, it looks as though we'll have that big party long before I had ever imagined. There doesn't seem to be any more news for tonight. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. Good night, dears. I love you and miss you, Stan. As our hero, the Silver King, awaits the end of his war, he remains busy and optimistic. 
And we have reached the end of this episode of the epilogue for Dearest Ones, part 31. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.